0: and worship you, Lord, for the privilege to come to your word and to study your word. We thank you, Lord, for the great revelation that you've given us, and Lord, we ask you to continue to give us revelation, wisdom, knowledge and understanding tonight of your word as we read it and discuss it. May you bless us abundantly with your word. because Lord, you said those that hunger and thirst for your word shall be filled. Well, Lord, those of us that are here tonight, we hunger and thirst for the word, we want to be filled. And Lord, that includes all of us, including me. Lord, I want to have more knowledge, more wisdom, more revelation, more understanding, and a greater faith every day of my life as I walk with you. So that I know that the greater, the greater faith and the greater knowledge we have of the Word, the greater you will be glorified as we walk on this earth. But Father, we thank you for the privilege to come tonight and talk about your Word. And may you bless every word of your Word as we talk about it tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But we're going to start out in Corinthians here tonight. We're going to start out in First Corinthians chapter three. <clears throat> you know, if when you really get into the Word of God and when you read it and discuss it the way it's really written, it's a hard gospel. You know, it's definitely not easy. You know, it is a hard gospel, tough. To do what this book says, and it's when you really read it at face value, it's kind of scary. You know, kind of scary. So anyway, and uh, let's go to First Corinthians chapter three, and it says there in verse fourteen, "If any man's work abide, any man's work abide. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereon." He shall receive a reward now we all want to receive that reward don't we everybody wants to get a reward and i really believe that everybody that's a christian and even some people that are not christians you ask them do you believe you're going to go to heaven when you die and a lot of them will say oh yeah i believe i'm going to heaven because i've been a good guy you know or a good girl you know i've been i mean i've worked hard i've you know, not run around on my wife. I provided for my children, and you know. And uh, do you go to church? Well, no, I don't have time to go to church. Uh, but I believe God. I believe in God. You know, you'd be amazed at the people that's deceived just like that, and they they don't have any idea what it takes. But it says, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Now, how would you like to get to heaven and the Lord put his blowtorch to you to test your works and everything you've done in your whole life was immediately burned up and there was not anything left but the ashes? How would you like to be one of those? I don't want to be there, but he says there's going to be something like that. He's going to test what we do and he's going to see if it's, was good. he's going to find that did we do what we did for him or did we, or did we do what we did for us? And if we did it for him, then we're going to get a reward. If we don't, then it's not going to stand the test. And it said, know you are not that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you." Now, if you're the spirit of God, I mean, you're the temple of God and the spirit of God lives in you, then look at this next verse. And it says, if any man defile the temple of God, God, him, shall, if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. I, asked, I was talking to a young man the other day. And we were talking about a major seminary in the United States of America. A major one. A big one. In fact, it says, Oh, where are you? I'll just tell you. That's a major one, wouldn't you say? Oh yeah, they teach people to be pastors there. Oh yeah. It's a it's a, a credible school and everything, but they teach men to be pastors in that place. It is a seminary. And in the seminary class he was in, they said, the professor said, ask any question you want and we'll do the best we can to answer it. So those young men, 25, 30, 40, 50 years old and some older, that were going to seminary to be a pastor or be a teacher of God's word, asked these professors, A question. It was a fairly good group of them. And he said, you know what the number one question was? I said, I have no idea. You have any idea what you think the number one question might have been? by a group of seminary men going to get their degree to become pastors and teachers of the Word of God? No. No, that wasn't it. That might have been in there, but that wasn't number one. No. Any idea? It blew me away when I heard it. I'll just tell you. Why does God, a holy God, allow such suffering on the earth? Oh, that is the number one question. Number one question. Every Christian, non-Christian, pagan, Muslim, whatever. Okay, so if that's the case, then what's the answer? It's because he doesn't allow it. Oh, yes, he does. There ain't nothing on this earth happens if God says yes. It happens. God says yes to everything. He does allow it. But why? 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 away by our own You are exactly right, young lady. You've got the answer. He said not one single professor touched that question. Nobody answered that question. I told him, I said, I got the answer to it. He said, I know you do. But he said they would not answer that question. I said all you got to do is read, start back in the major, all the major prophets and all the minor prophets and read them and you'll see over and over and over and over that as the people got away from God and got into idolatry, he sent his fists to crush them. It's in there over and over and over, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. All, all these prophets, as, as the word of the Lord came to me and said, and they just over and over and over and over. Now, wait a minute. If God, which is the same yesterday, today, and forever, he never changes. If he hated sin that bad back under the law, do you think he still hates sin today? Sure, he does. Well, no, I don't hate it any worse, Terry. Cause he couldn't hate it worse cause he, he never changes. So he hated it then and he didn't like sin. And of course we read in the Old Testament over and over and over and over, did he destroy the people back there? He said, I will crush you. I will send your enemies against you. Who's going to send the enemy? God said he was. The enemy is the devil. But God speaks it and the devil moves upon these other nations and these people move and they go out and they wipe them out. They kill their children. You know, they, I mean, you think about some of the things God said. Because of your idolatry and your spiritual prostitution and your whoredoms with other gods. He said, I will put devastation among you and the frail, little, (laughs) delicate woman will eat her own children. I mean, that's in the word, y'all. That's written in the Word of God. Now, do you think God likes sin? Can you imagine a beautiful princess with her pie dollar suits on that wouldn't even think about touching a drop of blood? And it's going to come to the point where she's in rags and she's so hungry, she'll kill one of her own children and eat him. Can you even fathom that? No. What, Why, what caused that suffering and pain? Sin! Worship of other gods. Well, look at this. Look at what he said in the New Testament. You are the temple of God. Is that what he said, Frank? If God said you defile that temple, what did he say he would do to that temple? You think he really means what he says, Frank? I do too. You know, that ought to make the church become afraid of God. I mean, after all. I have a rare, very reverent fear of the King. You know what the king, king, Elder? If God were to say, "Son, you've broken your last breath," bam! What would you? What could you do? Nothing. I mean, you' gonna fall dead on the floor, right? That's it. There ain't nothing we can do. If God don't give me and you the ability to pump air in that lung, we can't breathe the next breath, can we? He is in control, and so. We fail to realize who this mighty God is. Oh, yeah, He loves us. But He's made a set of rules, hasn't He? he He's made a set of rules. And we read this book and we don't believe these rules. We don't believe them. Well, let me tell you. You want to know why there is all this terrible, devastating sickness and disease and terrible things happening in the church today and to our children? you know why it's happening? For the same reason it happened back yonder. We are disobedient. We defile our bodies. We, with every kind of sin known. I mean, how many people you say that know they're Christians and they only come to church whenever they feel good. You know, they only come to church if they want to. And they certainly don't tithe unless they feel like it. And of course, they, just tithe, they say they're tithers, but they only tithe once in a great while. Well, let me tell you, if you just tithe off of a check once in a while, you ain't a tither, are you, Frank? Tithing is tithing every week, right? Or every time you get paid. That's giving to God. Did God say he hates a thief? Yeah. He said, because you have stolen from me, you know, he's going to destroy us. But he said, if you will tithe and give me what is rightfully mine, then he says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. What if you don't tithe? Then he's not going to rebuke the devourer. So he's going to come. And why do you think that so many people in the church have no money? They can't make it from payday to payday. A lot of them don't tithe. And guess who goes home with you every day and knows exactly what you do? Jesus. He knows exactly what you're saying, what you're doing. And he gives you and me a set of rules. And he expects us to follow them. So... You get out here doing things that you're not supposed to do, just like you have no idea how many people, I started to say men, but it's a few women too, but most of them are men that come to me in secret and say, Thurman, I am a professing Christian, but would you pray for me? i got a venereal disease. Now, guess what? You didn't get that venereal disease off of a potty seat. You see where I'm coming from? Some of them would like to say they did, but if I pin you down and I say you've been out having sex with some woman that's not you're not married to, don't don't lie to me now. Remember, God said He hates a liar too. Well, they have to say, well, yeah, I did mess up once or twice. Well, that's all it takes. That's all it takes. Now, when you're doing that with your body, what are you doing to your body? You are defiling your temple. When you defy your, your temple in this whatever, what if you just overeat? Are you defiling your temple? Yeah. What if you don't exercise your temple? Are you defiling it? Sure you are. God told us to keep it in shape. You know how difficult it is to get out and exercise every day? Yeah, yeah. Oh, y'all got the same problem I got, huh? It's tough to get out and do what God says. You know, But if you want this body to live a long time, you've got to do it His way. Now then, just like smoking. You know, how many people do you know that are good Christians that smoke? Like that lady that sat right over here at a healing school the other day. She said, oh, if I hadn't smoked all those years. Now then she sees the consequences. Then she didn't. The devil had blinded her mind and she smoked that stuff and it had took its toll on her. Now, can God renew her lungs and make them new? He can. But He may not because of her disobedience. In fact, you know what? It could happen? Because she defiled her temple all those years, what might happen? He might destroy her temple. Isn't that something? How many people do you think believe that verse? Not a lot. Evidently, not a lot, right, Terry? I mean, but did God say it? Just think. If any man defiled the temple of God, which is what we are, him shall God destroy. Now, did your Bible read like that? For the temple of God is holy, whose temple you are. So, if we go out and start living in sin and doing everything we want to, guess what's going to happen to your temple, your body? It's going to come down sick and afflicted and be t- tormented and eventually die prematurely right so why do we as Christians not believe these things why do we believe we can just go do anything we want to do and there's going to be no consequences oh okay grace thank God for grace because if grace wasn't for grace we couldn't have got saved could we Terry I know I know that but think think Under the old law, how many times did you say over and over and over? If you, and he could have put, your my name in there, Terry. And, and, you know, he could have said Thurman. He could have said Frank. But he said, if you obey me and do everything I say, I will take all sicknesses and disease away from you. And I will bless your children. If you obey me, I will bless your children. But if you do not obey me, I will not only curse you, I will curse your children. Now... That No mother or daddy wants her children to be cursed, right? Mm-hmm. So, why is it we don't believe these things? I don't know. I really don't know. I really think we don't know. I mean, I was in church and I didn't know these things. Teaching it in church. I mean, but it's in the Word. Mm-hmm. You know what the King's going to say one day when you tell him that, Terry? He's going to say, But I give you the Word, my dear, and I expect you to read it. <laughs> oh, Lord! He said, Yeah! Is that what he... Uh, Frank, Lord, I'm too busy. I'm working on your stuff. I'm in the media department at the church and I'm working so hard 24-7. He said, there's no excuse. <laughs> Is that what he's going to say? That's what he's going to say to me too. But Lord, I'm on the phone talking to people, praying to people all day long. I ain't got time to get Word no more. He said, there's no excuse. <laughs> get my Word. Woo! Take care of your temple. If you don't take care of that temple, he said, I'm going to destroy that temple. That ought to make us... A little bit more afraid of God. That ought to make us think. You know what? If God wasn't merciful, you know how many of us would be alive today? None of us. If He didn't, if he didn't give us that grace that you were talking about while ago, if we didn't have grace, we would all have been dead. You know? you know? I guarantee you. I mean, every one of us have sinned miserably in God's sight. And not just once many times but he says "And if any man defile the temple of God him shall God destroy for the temple of God is holy which temple you are so if God expects us to keep this temple holy then we have some things to do if we want this temple to live to be an old healthy person we're going to have to obey Now then, if people abuse their bodies, well, like I said there a while ago, with nicotine. Do we all know that nicotine can cause cancer and kill you early? Sure. And we see it all the time. It's even written on the package. Smoking causes cancer. I just can't, I can't imagine us doing these things. But we eat the wrong kind of foods too. I mean, we eat junk food a whole lot. I mean, a lot. Or we get everything that's, you know, quick and easy, you know, that put on the shelf that lasts for six months. Well, let me tell you, if you get something put on the shelf, and I like them little, them little peanut butter crackers that you can set them on the shelf for six, I love those little things once in a while, but them things are not very good for your body. They are not very good at all. They've been partially hydrogenated, and I guarantee they are not good for your body. But that's just like, that's just like a Dr. Pepper. <laughs> Whoops, now, Thurman, you're walking on our toes now. Get off of my feet. <laughs> you know, I, I don't, after I learned what those things do to our body, I almost totally quit drinking them. But once in a while, they are so good. They all have the same problem I do. And especially with my honey buddy, she loves Dr. Peppers too. Every once in a while, she, somebody got some Dr. Pepper put in the refrigerator the other night. And she went out and got one. I said, You going to drink one of them? She said, yes, I'm going to drink one of them. I said, okay, I'm going to send with you. Get me one too. (laughs) Isn't that terrible fact that we would do that? I mean, I know what these things do to us. I know that it takes about 38-ounce glasses of water to bring the pH back to normal in your body after one 10-ounce carbonated drink. I know it. But there, my body... yeah, it takes about 30 glass, 8-ounce glasses of water to bring the pH back to normal in your body when you drink one can or dr- glass of 10-ounce carbonated drink. Isn't that amazing? But why do we go ahead and do that? Because they taste good. You know, I don't do it very often, Cheryl, and I don't do it very often. In fact, i got to tell this on Cheryl. Whenever we first got married, you know, I, I I love my honey bunny and I want to do everything to try to please her. And once in a while, we'd stop by the uh, store up there. And she said, let's stop and get a can of Dr. Pepper. Okay. So we'd stop and I'd buy us a can of Dr. Pepper. We'd drink it. And maybe a week later, three or four days later, she said, let's stop by and get a Dr. Pepper. I thought, you know, she likes Dr. Peppers. <laughs> so one day I stopped by the grocery store and I bought a 24-pack and brought come home and sit them in the refrigerator. And I thought, man, she'll love this. I'm trying to please her. She comes out of the open refrigerator. And she says, hey, what did you do? And I said, well, honey, I, I bought you some Dr. Don't you ever do this. Hey, I thought I was doing something to make her happy. And she's all upset, hollering at me now. I said, but honey, you like them. She said, I know. But when I got them in the refrigerator, I can't control myself. I drank too many. So she did, got on me for doing something. Hey, Frank, if you love her, you're trying to help her, right? And I did the wrong thing. I don't buy her no, do <laughs> no, she no more. Only when she rolls one will we stop. <laughs> she can control it and I can control it too a whole lot better. And we do know that when we drink excessive, you know, if we drink one or two a day, we really defile this temple. Yeah. The pH will never be right in your body if you drink one, one 10 ounce drink a day. You'll never bring the pH back to normal in your body. Cannot happen if you just drink one a day. What if you drink three or four five of them a day? Forget it. You're dehydrated. You know it, the the carbonation takes more moisture out of your body than it puts in. So by drinking soft drinks, you're slowly dehydrating your temple. You're destroying it, and the devil's laughing at you, right? Yeah, it destroys the blood too. Oh yeah, it destroys the blood too. And so that's just another way the enemy has to kill you. So then, so the we 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 really don't need any help from God for destroying our temple. We're doing a pretty good job ourselves. You know, we really do a pretty good job. Now then he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 1, 1 Corinthians 5 1, it says, it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you. Does anybody know what fornication is? You know, everybody does know what that is? Okay, as long as you know what that is, obviously the church reads this and they don't know what that means. You know, I mean, really? Yeah, the thing about it is that whenever you're not married and you go out and have sex with somebody, that's fornication. Now, I mean, I see people all the time. I mean, you know, I have women in the church come to me and say, and single women, and say, I met this guy. And, oh, he seems like such a great man of God. He's filled with the Holy Ghost and everything, and he loves me. But we only went together three times when he asked me to go to bed with him. That ought to put up a flag right there, right? Now, first of all, if he asks you to go to bed with him, and you let him, and he does go to bed with you, there's something seriously wrong with this situation. Something seriously wrong. Both of you have just defiled your temples of God. And I want to tell you, God don't like it. And that will start a process of destroying your flesh. And it will bring unclean spirits to your body. All kinds of devastating things will happen to you. And then you want to wonder why people in the church have sickness and disease. Well, we have sickness and disease for the simple reason we defile our temples. and. God doesn't like it. So, He is destroying our temples. And another thing, I am using the exact words I'm reading out of the Word of God tonight. Am I not? Mm -hmm. This is not some fictitious thing that I come up with. When it says God will destroy the body of the temple, is that what He said? said. This is not something I said. I'm just repeating what the King said. So, you've got to remember, this is not some doctrine that I come up with. This is written in your Bible. And then it says, and at 1 Corinthians 5, he says, It is commonly reported that there is fornication among you, and such fornication that is not so much as named among the Gentiles or the heathen, that one should have his father's wife. And then imagine his stepmother. He's having sex with his stepmother. What a deal! And ye are puffed up, verse 2, and have not rather mourned that he that has done this deed might be taken away from among you. You're not supposed to leave a man when people do these kind of things. He says you should take those people away from among you, for verily For I verily am absent in body, but present in the Spirit, and I have judged already. What? Have judged already? Somebody says, you shall not judge lest you be judged. How many of you ever heard that statement? Don't judge lest you be judged. How many people, every time you start to say something, well... Brother so-and-so did this, or sister so-and-so did this, and I need to talk to you about this. This is a sin. Don't judge lest you be judged. I, I mean, I have fed people that know nothing about the Word of God, and I say, I need to confront you about your sin. I heard you were doing this. Don't you judge me. I mean, I've heard written, don't you judge lest you be judged. They heard that, hadn't they, Pam? Sure they have. It's written in the Word of God. But who was he talking about? He was talking about the world. Don't judge the world. You go outside out there and there's somebody out there and you go down the street and there's these prostitutes walking down the street. Don't look out and say, you prostitutes are going to hell. Don't you know you ain't supposed to be doing that? They say, kick that guy out. We're making money. You know, we don't care nothing about you. But you go down there and be nice to him, and start talk, talking to him about Jesus. Then you might win one of them into the kingdom. Amen. Then you'll change them. You'll be like this preacher I knew one time. This preacher there was a girl that was a belly dancer. I mean, she loves stripping off and having them guys throw them twenties and $50 bills out there. I mean, boy, she could just do all kinds of stuff. Woo! I mean, she could get them guys, she could get them all excited and then throw that money on the platform and she'd break up that money. Woo! She loved what she did. And she come to church one night. And a preacher preached on salvation. And she came up at the end. She said, you know, I would like to make this Jesus Lord of my life. I would love to have Him... But if I made him Lord of my life, I'd have to quit belly dancing. He said, who told you that? Well, she said, I just kind of felt like I wouldn't want to do that anymore, or or shouldn't do it anymore. He said, no. He said, you're free. He said, when you come and accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, you can do anything the Holy Spirit wants you to do. Anything the Holy Spirit wants you to do. You're free. She said, you mean I could be a belly dancer and accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior? He said, sure. So she said, well, gee, I want this Jesus then. So she he led her in a prayer and she accepted Jesus as her Lord and Savior. And the next week when she came back to church, she said, you're the smartest man I've ever seen in my life. He said, what do you mean? She said, after I got saved, when I left her, I walked out the door, I thought, I can't ever do that again. I don't want to do that again. Now see, he was a smart man, wasn't he? See? Yes, he was. Now if he had said, woman, guarantee you're living in sin. And if you come to know Jesus, you've got to stop that belly dancing. She said, forget it. Then I'll just go back to my belly dancing. Because she loved it. She was a woman of the world. But when she got saved and got the Holy Spirit, isn't it wonderful what Jesus can do? If we just get smart, we got to get smarter than the devil. I mean, how many of you, when you become a new creature in Christ, and you begin to renew your mind with the Word of God, didn't you change? Sure, you don't do the things you used to do. You know, what keeps you from going out and sinning right now? The Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, every time you start to sin, there's something in there that says, nope, don't do that. Now, sometimes we don't listen very well. Sometimes we say, oh, he's, he's over pulling back on me, he said, don't do it." I'm, like, oh, I'm going to do it anyway. And you all have that problem? Sure, every one of us, because we're human beings. You know, it's, it's not easy to obey God, is it? No. But yes, ma'am. I'll have a confession. Okay, hold it just a second. Let me put this on tape. If you've got a confession, we've got to get that on tape. Well,
1: the other day, I, was, uh, I went to um, Pesach, or Passover, up in Thurman. And I had no idea that it would take me two hours and twenty minutes to get from Bedford to Sherman, Sherman, Texas. Did I say Thurman? Yeah.
0: Well, hey, Sherman, that's okay.
1: I meant Sherman. Te- te- yeah. Usually you get up there in an
0: hour and a half or hour and 20 minutes.
1: It took me two hours and 20 minutes because wow. it was Friday afternoon. And and I was going 40 and 20 and 30, and that's when I was moving. Wow. So anyway, um, but I had planned out that day. I was in, in the kitchen sink, and I had thought, now, they're going to ask me about so-and-so. I hadn't seen them in a long time. They moved from... Here to Texarkana. And he was doing the Passover Seder. And they were going to ask me about this old roommate of mine. And I thought, I'm just going to tell him what they did to Kathy, my friend. That that she took $35,000 from her. And isn't that terrible? And when I got up there and sat down and she said, well, you know, we saw this person at this other Seder. And the Lord said, bite your tongue. And I I couldn't do it. I couldn't tell them what I knew to be true. Because she said she came to the Seder and it was so good to see her. And I said, well, you know, I haven't seen her in a long time. And that's all I could say. I couldn't do it. Amen. I just couldn't do it. And later on, during the worship, the Lord said, Pamela, I'm proud of you.
0: Praise the Lord.
1: Because you kept your zip. Your lip zipped. You kept your mouth shut. And I just wanted to. I had planned out in my mind. That day, I'm going to tell them really? what she did to my friend. Because, see, I've had to repent, repent for taking up a reproach. When somebody hurts my friend, I want to hurt him, you know. Oh, yeah. And that I, I, makes me mad. You hurt my friend.
0: That's the flesh, you know. Yeah, That's it's the flesh. flesh. We all it sure is. It beast. rose
1: up and thought she hurt yeah. my friend. Amen. Yeah. yeah. And I took up a reproach. As the Bible says, I had to repent for that and repent for that offense against her, what she did to my friend. But anyway, the father
0: he knows was proud. He does doesn't he? Yeah,
1: he does. And he... he made me keep my mouth shut.
0: Amen. Woo. Now, God is the only one I know can make us keep our mouth shut. Yes, sir. God is the only one. If we'll listen to him, he'll do great things. Now then, let's go back here and see. And what he said here, he says, I have judged already as though I were present concerning him that hath so done this deed. In verse 4, it says, In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together, and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Whoa! Whoa! If you have a brother or a sister in the church that is actively involved in fornication and you, or adultery, and you go talk to them and they will not stop doing or they will not hear you, are you supposed to judge them? Be, do not judge them lest you be judged. Is that what they'll tell you? But is that right? It is not right. You are to judge your brothers and sisters when you see them sinning in the church. Only in the church. If you see a brother or sister sinning, Did Paul judge this one? Yes, he did. And he told them not only to judge him, you're to tell him what he's doing wrong, and then you are to go a step further. When all of us are gathered together in the name and the power of the Spirit, in the name of Jesus, we are to turn this person over to who? Who? Satan. The devil? You're going to turn a Christian brother or sister over to the devil? Well, why? Why in the world would we go so far as to turn a brother or sister over to the devil for destruction of the flesh? What if they don't? What if they don't stop sinning? and they continue in that sin, and maybe a year or two or three later, they die in that sin, where are they going to go? They're going to to go to hell. That's exactly right. Now, does Paul know what he's doing when he said, Judge your brothers if they're living in this kind of sin, and turn them over to Satan now for destruction of the flesh, so that the soul may be what? Saved. Saved. So, if you turn them over to the devil and the devil kills them in the early stages of this, if he does, then their soul still gets to go to heaven. They haven't lived in it long enough and I don't know where that line is. God didn't tell me. So I'm not going to do it at all, are you? I'd be like that lady up there a while back who was with Cheryl and I was speaking out of town and I was talking about men and women committing adultery on each other in the church and I looked back at this woman and man and I said are you all married and they said yes and I said how many years and they told me 20 or 30 or whatever it was and I said do you expect your husband to come home to you every night she had asked me a question about what does it mean to be holy or something and I said well that man of yours does he come home to you every night she said yeah I said so every night 364 days out of year, he comes home to you but one night he doesn't and then the next night he comes home to you and you say, where were you last night? You didn't call. And oh, he said, I run into one of my old ex-girlfriends and she wanted me to go home with her. And so I went home with her last night, slept with her last night. And she said, I said, what do you think about that, ma'am? She said, all I got to say, if it's my husband does that, he's going to need a doctor. <laughs> I think she was serious, don't you think? I know that woman was serious. Doctor and, under-taker. and that could be true. Because she was not going to be happy with him. She was going to really get seriously angry and do something physical to him if he just messed up one time. Yeah. Now how many times do we mess up with our bodies and prostitute them and everything with other gods before God and he doesn't kill us? Too Far too many. That's exactly right. Far too many. Now then, that comes back to the grace Terry was talking about a while ago. If it wasn't for grace, how many of us would be alive? Now all of us would be wiped out. He would have already destroyed our temples. So let's don't put this grace to the test. That's what I'm trying to say. Let's just don't go out and do what this guy did, because obviously fornication in the church is not exactly what God planned for the church. It was so serious that Paul said, "This one, you need to get rid of them. You need to judge them." Next time you meet, my spirit will be with you and the Lord Jesus will be with you. And you are to turn this man over to the devil for destruction of his flesh so that the soul may be saved in the day of judgment. Do you think God likes fornication in the church? Then why do so many people in the church do it? Why do we have so much sin in the church? Lust and all those kind of things. Why do we have so much sickness and disease in the church? Because of sin. Now then, if under the law God promises, and he did over and over and over under the law, if you will be obedient and do everything I tell you to do, I will take all sickness and disease away from you. Now, if he gives us a better covenant with better promises and we walk in obedience to it on this side, what do you think he's going to do for us over here? Much better. He's going to bless our socks off. All we've got to do is walk in obedience to his word. But he tells each one of us what to do, doesn't he? He does. No two ways about it. And and if we don't do it, we're going to suffer the consequences on this side of the cross just like they did on that side of the cross. And here he's talking about turning a brother that's living in fornication over to the devil for destruction of the flesh. Who destroys the flesh? The devil. All God's got to do is say, Thurman's been messing up. Devil, he's yours. Take him out. And don't you know the devil would love that? Oh, man. He said, well, bam. And he gets you in a heartbeat. And first thing you know, you're either dead with a heart attack or a stroke or whatever. And it's over. Your life is run, And it's all because of sin. Now, God said right here, if you sin, he will destroy your temple. So the secret there is not to sin. Then he says, after you deliver one... uh It says there, let's see, To deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of his flesh, that the Spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Then he says, Your glory is not good. Know you not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Now, what if you get somebody come into church and they start messing around with people? Mm -hmm. You know, trying to take some girl out to dinner. That's single, and he's single. Or maybe he's married. But you don't know it. And so many people, I mean, how many women have I had come to me and said, I met this nicest gentleman in church. And I was a single woman. Invited me to dinner every Sunday night after church. And we would go out. And he was so nice, so gentle. And I went with him, and after three months, I had sex with him. I, he told me he loved me and everything. And then I got pregnant and then I found out he's already married and got three kids. Uh, what? Um. Oh yeah, I hear this all the time. In fact, the other day, this is a true story. I won't say the names to protect the innocent. But I had a woman call me and tell me about a man. And I said, well, what you need to do, this man was doing you this very thing to young women in the church. I said, you need to go to the pastor." And you need to tell the pastor about that man so he can get something done. And she said, well, who else could I go to? I said, what do you mean? She said, the pastor is the one that's doing it. Now, what do you do with that? I said, is he married? She said, yes, and has three children. He's married and has three children. And there's two or three young girls in the church he's running around with. And they've come talk to me and said he has had sex with them. Pastor of a church. You want to know why there's no power in the church? You want to know why that pastor is going to come down sick? You want to know why his wife is going to come down sick? You want to know why his kids are going to come down sick? Because of his sin. And people just don't believe God will do what he says he will do. They just don't believe. But here he says, if you get a little leaven in the church, if you don't deal with that little bit of leaven, what's He going to do? It's going to ruin the whole bunch.
1: And Mm-hmm. then sexual immorality, perversion, homosexuality, pornography yeah. goes to
0: every member of the church. That's right. Yep, so any time those kind of things starts in the head of the church, which is the pastor, if that devil gets in, you can just be assured. Of course, that's why you have to be careful. You have to be careful of the people you deal with. I mean, I mean no offense to nobody here, but let me tell you, when I go home after... I pray for people. Do you know? Like I said, no offense to nobody. But when I leave here at night, after I get in the car and start home, I break every soul tie between me and every human being I touch to church. I break every soul tie. I, I, I take authority over every spirit. And I command every spirit because you I don't know where you live outside of this building. I don't know what you might have done today before you come to church. I don't know what kind of demons you may have drug in here with you. You know? So the thing about it is, when you, when I pray for you, if you have a prayer need, you may be a legitimate man or woman of God and there may not be anything wrong and you may be perfect and the soul tie I could generate between you and me might be good. But that's just like the other day. There was a woman out at our ministry center on fire for Jesus. I mean, she was talking about the power of God. And how wonderful God is and all the things He's doing. And I sat and listened to her for 30 minutes. And the minute I got up and I said, hold out your hand. She said, what do you want? I said, hold your hand out. She held her hand and I reached over and I said, I want some of that anointing. I want a soul tie with you. I want a soul tie with people that has that kind of a spirit. People that's walking in the anointing of God. We need to be knit together with those kind of people. You know, that's the kind of people you need to be around. You need to not be around people that's saying, telling you your dirty jokes, telling you about the, the soap operas they watched last week, and all that kind of stuff. If you have those kind of people, and they're they're in the church, oh, yeah. they're in the church. So, but they're in the church, and I don't know who is and who's not. So, like I say, when I leave after I pray for people at a healing school, a church service, or whatever, when I get in the car and start home, we break soul ties over everybody and command every spirit that's not of God to leave us. Because I don't want to take anything home with me. I want to walk in obedience to God's Word. So, if a little bit of leaven leavens the whole lump, if people come to this church and they touch me and they got some form of witchcraft in them, they're trying to put spirits on me. And like that time when I went to Wichita, not Wichita, Salt Lake City. When I went to Salt Lake City, I do know there's demons of hell are running rampant in that city. I know they are. Well, let me tell you, I had the biggest attack from the devil the next week after I come back. You saw me, didn't you? You saw what my... Weldon come out and prayed for me. And Ty came out and prayed for me. And I called these two men and I said, I need some kind of prayer warriors. I called the two greatest, strongest men of faith that I know. And I didn't feel like I needed, but a couple. But Eldon and Ty are those two men. And they both came out and they both prayed over me. Because, my, In fact, Ty is a doctor. And when he looked at my leg, he said, Thurman, if you was not such a great man of faith, I'd swoosh you off down to the hospital right now for surgery. But he said, I know you ain't going. I said, that's right. I am not going. We're going to get this done by faith. And we did. It took a few days. It took everybody's praying and anointing with oil and standing on the Word of God. But I, I've had three attacks of that devil in my left leg since i come back to Salt Lake City. The first one was terrible. It was the left leg. The left leg. It was a terrible attack. And the second one was only about half his bed. And the third time was when we was in Germany. As soon as we got over there and started teaching the Word, that devil attacked me in my left leg again. Oh, yeah, that's right. It was after the deliverance of the little boy. I went to the powerful demonic deliverance. The very first afternoon we got over there, first thing that it brought a demon-possessed nine-year-old boy in for for me to get delivered by the power of God. And then right after that, that's when that devil attacked me. I mean, you you better be ready. When you start getting into deliverance and spiritual warfare, you better make sure you know who you are in Christ. Because these devils don't play games. They attacked, you know, ferociously because they don't like it. So you need to make sure you don't have any of these lumps to be around you. In fact, let's go on down and read some of these other things. See what he says here. Uh, in verse seven. Verse seven right now. Verse seven says, purge out therefore the old leaven. Purge out in verse seven the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you are unleavened for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. In verse 8, Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Then let's go on a little further. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to, comp- not to company with fornicators. Now, if you know somebody that's living in sexual immorality... Or, what are you supposed to do with them? You're supposed to tell them what they've done wrong, but you ain't supposed to invite them out to dinner. That's a big difference. It says, I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covet or extortioners, or with idolaters, for then must ye needs go out of the world. In other words, is it okay to invite a couple that's living together out of wedlock over to your home for dinner if they're not Christians? Oh yeah, you can. Sure you can. If they're not Christians. I mean, that's the way the world lives, right? If you're walking in obedience to God's Word, if you're living in faith, you're totally okay. You can bring them into your house and you can love them. You can tell them about Jesus, can't you Frank? Amen. You bring them in and talk to them. Don't bring them in and say, you know, you two living out of wedlock. They say, well, what, don't, you, I mean, don't you judge us. Now, are you supposed to judge them that are lost, that are living out of wedlock? No, that ain't your business. You're to love them. You're to talk to them. You're to do your praying for them. You're to go to the throne of grace for them. And then every time you see them, you're to try to love them and share with them. And I, there was a man one time that worked for me he was living with a girl out of wedlock. I knew. I asked him if he was a Christian. He said, I'm a Catholic. And so I thought, you know, how, Lord, am I going to get through to this guy? How am I going to tell him that what he's doing is wrong? And one day I thought, I know the movie, the video, the book of Matthew. I told him, I said, I got this movie, this video, the book of Matthew. Great video. Anybody ever seen that video? Book of, Isn't it great? I mean, it's great. So, I brought it into work and I said, any of you guys want to check this out and take it home with you? It's about three and a half hours. Yeah. I mean, it's a dramatized version. Yeah, four, videos. four videos, yeah. Four videos and it's a dramatized version of the actual book of Matthew. Word by word, line by line, played out for real. It's great. And that later they made the book of Acts and I got that one too. Yeah, But anyway, I let those guys check that video out. And this guy, he checked it out and he took it home and listened to it. And one day he came in and said, Thurman, I got to have the certain day off. I said, Okay, no problem. So I give him the day off. And when he come back, I said he said walked into his office and said, You know what we did on the day off? I said, I have no idea. He said, I wouldn't got married. <laughs> oh, I said, You wouldn't got married? I said, Praise God. Why? what made you change your mind and want to get married? He said, i live living with that girl. He said, I watched that movie that you give me the book of Matthew and Jesus said he hated adultery and fornication. So he thought, I don't want Jesus to hate me. I love him. So I only had one alternative. Ask this girl to marry me. And she said, yes. So he said, we went and got married. Isn't it wonderful how God does that? Hey, now see, that's how we're supposed to do it, right? I don't run it in there and say, grab him by the collar and say, hey, you dummy. Don't you know you're sinning? He wouldn't have, he wouldn't have accepted that, would he, Elder? What do you mean? Don't tell me that. I'm loving it. I'm enjoying living with this girl. I mean, life's fun. You know, that's why he moved in with her. Because life was fun. But it's sin and it'll bring forth death, won't it? But they repented, they got saved, and they got married. So you've got to take it and do it God's way. Now, let's see what it is. Let's keep on going here. It says... <clears throat> I wrote unto you in an epistle, not to company with fornicators. Now, he's talking about the church right there. Then he said, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or the covetous, or extortioners, or the idolaters, for then you'd have to go outside of the world. Because the world lives like that, don't they? You've got to meet those kind of people on a day-by-day basis, And as you go and meet these people, you love them and share the Word of God with them to get them to come and pray for them so that the Holy Ghost will convict them and bring them into the kingdom and you get to lead them to Christ. Once they become a new creature, now you can start teaching them the Word of God. And the Holy Ghost will teach them from the Word and those that are living in sin will stop. Paul had this same problem with these Corinthian people. These people were saved and some of them were just still living in all kinds of sin. So that's what he's trying to do. I mean, these two letters to 1st and 2nd Corinthians are, if you really read them like they're written, they're tough letters. I mean, Paul's being hard on these people. You know, this is not something that's written to a bunch of goody-goody people. It's written to some people that are really living in sin. But he says in verse 11, But now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother if he is a gator or covetous, or an adulterer, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such a person, you are not even to eat. Not to have a meal with him. Don't invite them over to your house. Is that what he said, Eldon? So if I know that, or let's say, you knew for a fact And you had it confirmed that I was doing one of these things. I was a terrible, covetous person. I mean, you know, I'm not out being an adulterer or nothing like that, but I'm just coveting everything. I want everything. I'm just a covetous person. What are you to do with me? First of all, you're to talk to me and tell me what I'm doing wrong. You are to judge me. And if I don't listen to you, then you are to do something else. Bring some other people. And we sat down and talked. And if you can't get through to me, then you're not to even sit down. Oh, no, I take that back. It said you're to invite me over to your house for dinner. That's what it said. Is that what it said, Pamela? Oh, that's not what it said, huh? Oh, I am so covetous, so you really need to invite me and Cheryl over to your house for dinner. See? No, that's not what he said at all. He said, you're not even to set after you talk to them and judge them and try to get them to straighten their act up. If they won't change, you ain't supposed to even have a meal with them. You're just to treat them like an unbeliever. Put them out. Somebody give me an explanation what you think a railer is. A partier? partier? I buy that. That's, That's a good definition. A railer or a partier. Somebody have another translation? You can't remember what it said, Terry? Anybody have another translation on that verse? On verse, uh, what is that, uh, 11? Yeah, on verse 11? Anybody have a no, different translation? A reviler. A reviler. A railer. Uh, a partier. Well, I have the
1: you know, that new international. Okay, what did it say? What I meant was that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a Christian and indulges in sexual sin or is greedy, or worships idols, or is abusive, or a drunkard, or a swindler.
0: Okay. Okay. All those things. A swindler. Yeah. Okay. Abusive. All kinds of stuff in there. In other words, if a person does those kind of things and they're in the church, what are you supposed to do with them? Supposed to be friends with them? No. Absolutely not. Somebody said, well, that's not very Christian. In fact, you know, if you if you find somebody in the church that thinks they're spiritual and they're doing some things that does not line up with the word and you call them down or you say something to them as a rule, man, they'll throw right back in your face, well, I thought you was a Christian. They'll do it to you every time. Guess who it is talking out of their mouth? A devil, of course it is. It's a devil. It's not God, because if you're going to judge them, and did God, did the Lord tell us to judge the sinner in the church? Yeah. He sure did. In fact, if you're fornicating or committing adultery, He didn't tell you just to judge them. He told you to turn over to the devil for destruction of the flesh, didn't He? Well, I mean. So, I mean, a lot of people don't believe a lot of things written in the Word of God, but Jesus wrote it in the Word, right? Now, see, here's the thing. Here's what's wrong with the church today. We believe what people say. We believe what the pastor says instead of what the Word says. You know, think about it is, if I'm standing up here telling you something tonight to do something, and it does not line up with what's written in this book, you need to say, thank you, good night, I'll see you later. That's right. Now, you may not like what I'm telling you, but that's a different story. If what I'm telling you is what the Word says, a lot of us don't like it. That's right. You know, I mean, in the church we don't like it. But guess what? If I don't teach you what's written in this book, guess what God's going to do to me? The king is going to hold me accountable for telling you the truth to his word. And did you know, I read a book one time, and this shocked my socks off. There was a man being tormented in hell. A person was, the Lord took him to hell, and there was a casket laying there with a man in it. And the demons of hell was running spears through this casket, tormenting this man screaming. And the Person said, "Who is that man that's being so tormented?" The Lord said, "He was one of my pastors on earth. He led many people to me, but he refused to teach all of my gospel, and sometimes he even taught a lie about what I said." So he said, "Greater is his condemnation." People say, "I don't believe that." Hey, I'm telling you, I ain't taking no chances. <laughs> Are you, Frank? I ain't taking no chances. If Jesus tells me he hate something, I want to stay just as far away from it as I can. Amen. And I do, I do love that grace he's got, Terry. But that grace might run out somewhere over there, girl. We've taken it, made it loose and we have made it loosely. Oh, man. But the Lord, I mean, this, this so far, I'm telling you what the Word says, right? That's right? We're talking about what the Word says. Now, listen to what he says. But now I have written unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetousness or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortionist with such a one, you are not to even eat. Is that what he said? So if you've got people in a church are living in those kind of sins, you need to go to them. And you say, you know this guy's covetous, or this guy is a partier, or whatever. Or he's an abuser. He's abusing his children or his wife. And you heard about it. His wife comes to you and says, I don't know, my husband, you know, he really is abusive to me. Maybe it's just verbal abuse. Maybe it's physical abuse. Have you ever known a man in church that beat up on his wife physically? Oh yeah, I've seen it happen. I minister to him on a regular basis. The man needs to know what he's doing is wrong. And he needs to stop it. If he don't, he's going to come under judgment from God. You know, but if he professes to be a Christian, I can judge him. But if he's not, if he's an unbeliever, then I can't say nothing to him. I can just pray and I can tell the woman, get out of the situation with him. You don't have to live there. Jesus give you the privilege. If he's an unbeliever, he called us to peace. Romans chapter seven says you don't have to live with a man that's an abuser that's beating up on you and hurting you. Amen. You don't have to live there. The word says so. Yes. You know. So if God said it, that's good enough for me. But no woman should be beat up physically by a man. I mean, and some of them some of them suffer with it for years, and and some of them suffer because of threatenings and of murder and everything else. So. It's terrible what the devil does. But then he says in verse 12, For what have I to do? For what am I to do? To judge them also that are without? Do not you judge them that are within? In other words, we're not supposed to judge those outside of the church, but we are to judge those within the church. Is that what what he said? That's what he said. So, is it, Whenever somebody, when you hear this story, and if you start judging anybody, even if they're in the church, and if they're doing wrong, they'll always throw that finger in your face and judge not lest you be judged. Boy, how many times have I had that finger thrown in my face? I have to say, hey, you don't know the word very good. You know? So I can judge you for that. You know? I mean, see, Jesus gave us a whole lot more freedom with those in the church. That's right. It's them out in the world we're supposed to be good to and kind to. But in the church, we're supposed to be good and kind to everybody in the church too, unless you see a brother sinning. And then you're not supposed to be good and kind to them. You're supposed to go judge them gently and meekly, telling them their fault. And if they hear you, fine. If they don't, then you're to take a couple more with you. Yes, Terry? What oh, wait a minute. Can't... Let me get a mic so it won't be able to hear it on the tape.
1: What if you didn't see it, but someone else saw it, and they're kind of young, and they told you, then should you go ahead and go to that person? Because you didn't see it, so now it's kind of hearsay. But
0: Well, in that case, you most definitely want to go to that person lovingly and kindly and say, I heard this, and I need you to tell me your side of the story. Okay. Because you don't know. In right. fact, Cheryl and I was just talking about, I think it was Cheryl and I, maybe it was somebody else. I, I, I'm not sure sure. We were talking about a, two, little, two little girls that were 16 years old that came to work in a restaurant. And they falsified their documentation. Mm. It's one of the people I was on the prayer line with today. Two 16-year-old girls came to work, falsified identification, said they were 18. And he hired them. And then found out that literally in the restaurant they were trying, they were, these little 16 year old girls were sluts and they were trying to pick up men in the restaurant to go to bed with them. And had several people complain. And so he fired both of them. So the two little girls went to the authorities and said, he made us work for him. We were underage and he tried to have sex with us. And that man went to jail for a year. Wow. Isn't that awful? But see, it happens. Yeah. So you, you, di- you just don't know the many ways the devil is going to do things. How would you like to be a restaurant owner trying to make a living and hire two girls that appeared to be 18 and her documentation said they're 18? But you didn't check it out, see if it's real. You just looked at their driver's license and everything and you thought, well, it says they're 18. They were false. They were really 16. And then those two girls go together. And out of the mouths of two witnesses, they send him to jail for a year. And both of them were lying. Isn't that amazing? It's been a year in jail. How many times do you think something like that's happened? Far too many. Far too many. People do those kind of things. I know a good friend of mine. That same thing happened... Two little girls in a grocery store said this man, he was in my Sunday school class. And two little girls said this man exposed himself to them in a grocery store and he went to jail for three years. And he swore to me he did not do that. And I believe him. Only God knows the truth. But I knew that man. I knew his wife. I knew his children. He was a wonderful man of God. And I don't believe he did that. But he might have. But I don't believe he did. But I do know that man spent three years in jail for that because those two little girls witnessed it and said he did it in a grocery store. And that a man? Little girls. That big. Yeah. They were little girls. They couldn't have been ten years old. 10, well, maybe they was twelve. But they wasn't very big. Ten or twelve year old girls. But the judge believed those two little girls since their story agreed instead of the man. And like I say, he went to jail three years for that. It's amazing what the devil does to people in the church. But if you really see one that is here, it says, it says, but them that are outside the church, God will judge, but therefore put away from among yourselves... The wicked person in verse 13. So if you find a person in the church that will not listen, that will not stop sinning, and you see they're doing something, what are you to do? No to You're to tell them, you have to leave my church. Well, it says in
1: 18, Matthew 18, 17, it says that you are to let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector.
0: Isn't that amazing? Yeah, that's what it says. Matthew chapter 18 17. verse 17 Matthew 18:17 Yep. So the thing well, what if it's your own children? Well, if your own children uh, then you really got a problem. A question, yeah. If it's your own children and your children are professing Christians and they say they're believers in Jesus and they're living in the world then you need to sit down with the Word of God and confront them with what they're doing. Because what they're doing is going to take them to hell. Now, you know, how many times have I heard this? Especially those raised up in some of these churches like I was raised up in and said, once saved, always saved. If you walk down that aisle, make Jesus your Savior, you're okay, you're saved by grace, now then, it makes sense. what happens in your whole life? You're going, when you die, you're going to go to heaven. I don't believe that. I don't either. If you really got something... You, you want to do what God says. Right. If you really became a new creature in Christ, you want to serve the king. You want to go to church. You want to be obedient. You want to read the word. You want to learn what your daddy wants you to do. Now, if you say you're, and the scriptures confirms this, if you say you're the child of God and you're living in the devil's world, God says you're a liar and the truth is not in you. He said, he that has the Spirit of God living in him cannot sin. That was scary when I read that, too. That makes me wonder, am I a Christian? You know, but I know I am. But that means I don't practice sinning. That's That's what it means. I don't practice sinning. So if you've got a son or a daughter, and they say they're Christians, and they have, I know I'm saved and they're living with somebody out of wedlock, or if they come into your house, and they want to bring their boyfriend into your house, you are absolutely to say, no, That's you right. will not spend a night in my house with someone you're not married to, under no conditions, because I will not be a partaker of your sin. That's right. That's right. right. Now, sometimes this is tough, putting your foot down, but you have to put your foot down. I guarantee if I found out somebody that was with me, working with me, or part of the ministry, and they were having with some sex with somebody in my house or in my ministry center, I guarantee I'd get rid of them in a heartbeat. I'd confront them with the situation. But if they was not willing to change, they would be gone. I ain't going to have them in my ministry center. I am not going to be there. I am not going to be a partaker of their sin. I am going to kick them out. And then I'm going to say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I'm turning that boy or that girl or whatever... Over to the devil for destruction of the flesh, so their spirit may be saved in the day of judgment. I mean, people don't believe this book. But what we're teaching tonight is in the book. Is this a hard gospel? It's a hard gospel. What happens, the seriousness of all this, if you do not straighten your act up and walk in obedience to God's word, and you continue to live in sin. Although you say you're a Christian. You know what's going to happen to you when you die? You're going to hell. And I'm going to show it to you in the Word. I'm going to show you where the Lord said this. He has clearly told us this. Now then. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians eleven, twenty-six and 27. It says, For... As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, irreverently, let's say, unworthily or irreverently, shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord, But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh irreverently or unworthily, eats and drinks damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And for this cause, verse 30, many in the church are weak and sickly among you, And many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Where is that? Ma'am? Yeah, I was in I was in First Corinthians eleven, verse 29, and thirty. That's where I was. Now then, if you don't discern the Lord's body, a lot of people in the church does not realize that the body of Christ heals you by His stripes, you. Oh, I must have said by His stripes you're going to be healed. Is that not what it said? Oh, by His stripes you were healed, or by His stripes you are healed, right? Then, I, like I say, I love this. I don't. It's not very good English, but if I are healed, Terry, I are healed, right? Amen. Praise God. That that, that that works, right, Eldon? If I was, I am. You know, if I am, I was. If I are, I are. Praise the King. So, But how many people don't know that? How long did I not know that? I didn't know that for years of my life. And I had many different kinds of back problems and all kinds of things and double pneumonia and, and flus and colds. and Not stuff that put me in a hospital, but stuff that was really painful and sickly and really harmful to my body. But I wasn't properly dividing the word of truth. I didn't know that by his stripes I was healed. It had never become a revelation to me. But when I finally got a hold of the fact that when I ate the bread and drank the juice, the juice was a symbol of the blood that he poured out on the cross for me so that I don't have to sin no more. I can walk holy If I let the Spirit totally lead me. Now, that's a very tough place to walk, I will have to say. And that I didn't really realize how much power I had in me to do that. But I'm learning more and more every day. And I didn't understand that by the stripes of Jesus I was healed. So when I held that little piece of bread and looked at it, if it's real Jewish unleavened bread, it's burned, it's marked. It's got holes in it, it's pierced, stripes on it, and everything. And all that is a picture of the true body of the Messiah, of Jesus, Yeshua. You know, so when we think about what he did, when I got a hold of the fact that by the stripes of Jesus, I was already healed. It was a done deal. Now then, if I have ever sinned, repented of, and I'm rightly dividing the word of truth... When I realized that by his stripes I was healed. So if I'm not walking in sin, I'm not opening no door to the devil. So I can by faith say, Lord, thank you that by your stripes I was healed. If I was, I am healed. And praise God, I ain't going to ever be sick no more. So thank you, Lord, that I'm going to walk in divine health. When I got a hold of that and began to confess that, the last 20 something years of my life, I've had zero sickness and disease. Not one day of sickness and disease. I don't know about you, but I love getting up in the morning, Terry, knowing I ain't going to be sick. Amen. I love getting up in the morning. Look at my three little boys knowing they're all well. Don't you? Don't you, Frank? Yes. You love that. Not have to go to the doctor. And you got more money to bank. You can buy a new house once in a while. You can do all kinds of things when your babies are all well, right? Amen. Praise God. But what if you don't know these things? You'll be just like I was all those years. That devil will come by. He'll beat up on you and you'll be sick and afflicted just like I was. I was not rightly dividing the word of truth. I had not judged myself according to these principles. I had not repented of every sin. But when it says that because we don't do these things, we come irreverently or unworthily before God. Well, how do you do that? You don't know what He did. So when you take the bread, you don't know that by that bread, that representation of the body of Christ, He bore your sickness and removed your disease. Because Matthew eight seventeen says that. Matthew eight seventeen clearly says that He bore your sickness and removed your disease. Well, if Jesus bore your sickness and removed your disease by what He did, He doesn't plan for you and me to have to be sick. And you don't have to be until you get into sin. When you get into sin, what happens? You open the door. Oh, you open that door and you've got a neon light up here. you got a question back there? What happens like who are like wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's get this to be able to hear it, never. Let me get the mic back here.
1: What happens to medical examiners and people who come in contact with people who are injured, and by simply that contact, if they have a disease and they catch it like a bloodborne disease or something, um, how do you handle something like that?
0: The people that don't know, because of a lack of knowledge, my people perish. My people perish for a lack of knowledge. Now then, what happened to me? What happened to me? As a as a young man, not knowing these principles. I mean, I was a Christian. I became a Christian when I was eleven. When I was eleven years old, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. So why, if by the stripes of Jesus I was healed? Then why was I sick so many times from the time I was 11 until I was 40? Because I didn't know what was mine. I could not receive by faith something that I didn't even know belonged to me. I mean, when I finally got the revelation, I was really studying this word right here. The word sozo. That word there is the word that set me free. I mean that word changed my life when I found out that word "sozo" means in five things written right there. Ooh, when I got a hold of that! Oh, what a glorious day in the Baptist community! <laughs> Praise the Lord! I received Jesus. I asked the Lord, Lord, if that word means all in things. Then why have I been sick so many times since I was eleven? And He said, because He spoke to me clear as a bell and a voice I could hear. He said, because you have never received me as your healer by faith in my word. I said, Lord, I have to do everything by faith. He said, if you want it, that's the only way you can have it. Does that line up with the word? Of course it does. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith it's impossible to please me. For those that come to me must believe that I am and that I am a rewarder of those who diligently seek me. Hey, if you don't do that, you're going to be sick if you don't know the truth, if you have not spent enough time in the Word of God, is it a sin not to study God's Word? Yes. Of course it is. Why? Because He told us in 2 Timothy to study to show yourself approved unto God. Definitely. So if we don't study to show yourself approved unto God, then when the devil comes, we don't know, we're not equipped. I believe it's 2 Timothy 2.15. I believe that verse. But when the devil comes... If we have not studied the Word and don't know how to kick him out, he's going to come and he's going to attack you and he's going to make you sick and afflict you and you're not going to have a clue what caused it. But there's a devil out there and he's going to come by your house once in a while to put you to the test. I can guarantee you. Or what if you're a Christian and you drink? Can you drink and be a Christian? Sure you can. Does it hurt anything to drink? Every once in a while have a glass of wine or to have a glass of beer at home by yourself or by your with your wife? No won't hurt you. Might even be good for you. But what happens to people that drink beer? They usually can't have one. They gotta have two. And then four. And then six. And then eight. And then they go get in their car. And when they get in their car it starts up, that's when you're my problem. That's when you're my That's when I'll call the law and have them come pick you up and I'll have them haul you off to jail. Because when if if you want to have one beer and drive, you're still not as safe as you are if you don't drink any. I've seen that test results done. But one beer usually won't affect you that much and you'll usually be able to get home okay. But how many people in America alone are killed every year With someone under the influence of alcohol. About 50,000 a year. And another 120,000 a year have a permanent injury from someone driving intoxicated. Like a broken arm or broken neck or a broken back. And some of them will never get well. Unless somebody in faith comes along to get them healed. They'll suffer the consequences. So that's where it becomes sin. The Lord did tell you, do not be drunk with wine. Do not be drunk with alcohol. So when you do that, you're sinning. To have one glass is not a problem. Question? Yeah. yeah, if your if your heart, your conscience does not condemn you in other words, if in fact I'll tell you, my conscience did not condemn me at all. When we was in Germany, we sat down at a table one night to have dinner with just a staff. This was just the staff. There was no outside. Probably ten of us. And they set a glass of wine in front of everybody's table. I mean, plate. Everybody drank wine over there. So I thought, well, if they all do it. So I took a little sip. And man, it was awful. It was awful. So in a little bit, I thought, well, I'll try a second one. And I took the second little sip and it was more awful than the first one. And I finally set it down and I told him, I said, you know, I don't want to offend any of you, but I have never drinking any, never drink any alcoholic beverages in my life. And I just can't drink that glass of wine. And one of the guys stood, he said, you have never drank a beer in your life. I said, well, I drank one when I was a teenager, and that's it. And that's the last one. And I said, never again. He said, I can't believe you've never drank in your life. He said, in Germany, everybody drinks. I said, but I don't. That's right. I don't. And I don't like it. And I don't want to acquire a taste for this stuff. No. And so I don't drink it. Now, over here, if I did like it, and Cheryl and I was out at a restaurant somewhere, I would never order a glass of wine. Because if I did, every church member would come in that restaurant that night. You all might not never, ever, ever be in that restaurant, but that night, every one of you would have, Oh, let's stop. They would we'll say, Stop by there. You want oh, Pastor. Oh, oh, how are you doing today? You wouldn't say nothing. But you'd always say, The pastor had a glass of wine on his table. You'll see where I'm coming from, right? So you don't do that. Because Paul said, if you do something that offends somebody else, you're not supposed to do it. You know, So, if you're a holy child of God, and I mean, I'm, I'm free, if Cheryl and I, if we like to drink wine, and we want to have a glass at home, if we did, we don't. But I said, if we did, you know, it's not anything wrong with me and her sitting down over dinner and having a glass of wine with our dinner, just like a glass of milk. You know, no problem. We can do that as long as we limit it to one. You know, but if we drink it. You know, and get drunk and wiped out, then it becomes a problem. So, it, did it say what are you supposed to do to drunkards? You're supposed to go to them and tell them they're sinning. You're supposed to stop it. Isn't that what he said? Okay, not to those that just drank one little glass of wine. Then purge out, ma'am? Can I man. One thing
1: about uh, uh, there was a drunk uh, a man who was drunk in Kentucky, and he went. Uh, over on the other side and hit a bus coming back. It was a church bus full of kids coming back from King's Island. Mm-hmm. Killed 27 people.
0: Well, that's... People. Well, do the innocent have to pay the price when sin's around? Yes, yes we do. I mean, you know, you might have... took And, of course, uh, last night I, I read... I don't even know how many chapters I read in Ezekiel, and I read them in the Living Bible. But I read from about chapter 10 to about 30, I think. But, you know, it's amazing what God said in there and how he was so upset. If you haven't read that in a while, you might read that. But what he was telling the people, he said, You are so wicked and you're living in such idolatry and you're prostituting yourself and whoring yourself before other gods and other idols. I'm going to come against you and I'm going to wipe you out. And he said, your sins are so bad that nobody will be saved. He said, even if Daniel and Noah and Job were there, their righteousness, those three righteous men, their righteousness would not be able to save a single person there except them. Their righteousness wouldn't even be good enough to save their own children. That's pretty scary, isn't it? He said, because of your wickedness, I'm going to kill you with plagues, sickness and disease, and I'm going to destroy you because of your wickedness. And you think, Lord. And you want to know why we got all the problems we got today? You can't turn the television on without seeing wickedness. You just can't see. it, can't do it. I mean, all you got to do is walk down the street... Or go to a place of business and walk in and men and women, the foulness that comes out of their mouths. Mm-hmm. And you want to know? And we're killing, how many million babies is it up to now? Oh, 43. 43 million? Yeah. For, we've only slaughtered 43 million children in the abortion mills since, since the mid-60s. 73. Okay, 73. I, but, but 43 million, that's not very many, is it? Forty-three million children. That would have saved the Social Security system. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it amazing? I mean, you, I can't fathom 43 million. I really can't. That's a number beyond my ability to comprehend. Roe yeah, Roe versus, Roe versus Wade. And, you know, the girl and that what? they
1: had that over is now a, a grown woman mm-hmm. and is alive because they
0: couldn't overturn it until after she yeah, yeah, wow. Well, the Lord has some tough things in here He's telling us. He says, uh, I see we, uh, let's see, we, we're talking about, yeah, we were in First Corinthians 11, we just read 26, 37, nine 30, 31. Let's go to one Corinthians sixteen, verse twenty-two. Now, this this verse here in the King James is a little difficult for me. I didn't understand this verse in the King James, so I had to look up these words. In King James, one Corinthians sixteen twenty-two says, "If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ." Let him be. Anathma. What is that? Anathema. And then the next verse is Maranatha. A curse, Maranatha. A curse. A curse. A curse. Oh. So if any man love not the Lord Jesus, let him be curse. cursed. So how many people do you know that don't love Jesus? Paul spoke a curse. On every human being in the world that does not love Jesus. Is that what he said? If you don't love Jesus, you're cursed. You are under a curse if you don't love Jesus. Now, the New King James says, If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be a curse. That was a real easy for me to get. (laughs) And then it says, Oh, Lord, come. That, that made those two words come to life to me. And I thought, wow. If you don't love Jesus, you're cursed. Everybody that don't love Jesus is under a curse. Because they don't love the Lord. And then 2 Corinthians five 9. We're going to stop on this one after we get to 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5.9. It says, wherefore we labor... That whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he has done, whether it be good or bad. 2 Corinthians 5.9 is where I am. 2 Corinthians 5.9 So how many of us that are believers are going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ? All of us. All of us. Now this is not for the unbeliever. The unbeliever will not be at the judgment seat of Christ. Only the Christians. The Christians will appear before the judgment seat of Christ to be judged for what we've done in the flesh, whether good or bad. And then he says, Knowing therefore... Oh, goodness, I wish he had left this out. (laughs) You can understand that, can't you, Terry? (laughs) Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord. Ooh, this loving, kind God, He would never do nothing like that to me, Terry. He loves me too much. Ooh. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men... But we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also we, made, we are made manifest in your consciousness. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that you may have somewhat to answer them, which glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is of God. It is to God. Or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ constrains us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then all were dead. And then he died for all that they which live should now henceforth live unto themselves, for should not live henceforth unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So who are we supposed to live for if we're born again? For him. That scripture up there in verse eleven. Wow! I wish there's some of them we could leave out. No, we, huh? Oh yeah. Well, of course, you know there's no big deal when if you if you get saved and all of your sins are under the blood, you're in good shape. But what if you go out and sin? What if you go out and sin? Oh, well, I mean, just what if you go out and sin? What if you go out and sin even ignorantly? What are you supposed to do? Oh, okay. So will he wash that away and forgive it? He sure will. But what if you get saved and you walk in the Word and you go to church 15 years and then you find out you really know it's wrong to steal? You know it's wrong to steal. You know you ain't supposed to steal from God. But you say, that's okay, I ain't going to tithe anyway. I ain't gonna tithe. I ain't gonna give God nothing. I'm gonna wear stolen clothes to church. Now, then, when you deliberately sin after you've known the truth, what happens then? Oh, there's no that's not pepper. There's no sacrifice for that sin.
1: But the thing is, is that's what, is that what they're talking about here—that you have to stand before. It
0: says we're all yeah. to stand before. Us. And we're going to receive the good or bad. Now, what what if you never repented of some of these sins? Yeah, but what you did, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, if you did, then you're in good shape. When you get to heaven and you've repented and you've walked holy in obedience to the Word of God, and every once in a while you do make a mistake, which we all do, and you say, Lord, I'm sorry, Lord, I, I, Lord, here I am, I made a little mistake, I repent and I'll ask you to help me do the best I can so I don't sin no more. He said, okay, my little son or my little daughter, come on in, I'll take my son's blood and I'll wash that away for you. But he said, now don't you go do that again. You know, Try your best not to sin. Did he tell the woman that's caught in adultery not sin no more? Did He tell the man that was there, did He tell him, go and leave your life of sin, or something worse going to come upon you? Sure He did. So, if we walk in obedience to the Word, and every sin is repented of when we die, and every sin is repented of when we get to heaven, the Lord says, Oh, Deborah, come on in, my young lady. All your slate is clean. Is that what you want to hear? That's what I want to hear too. But what if you get there and He says, Oh, here's... Three sins here you never did repent of. And here's two you didn't repent of. And here's two you didn't repent of. Well, those are going to be... Ooh. What does he not do with those? I don't know. But I don't want to get there with, that, with those on my case. Do you? No, I want to be have them repented of. Wait just a second. What did I do with that mic? Lay it, where did I put it? Oh, here, I lay it down a different place every time.
1: Okay I have a question. I fear that I don't know if I've repented of everything that I need to repent of. Can I pray a prayer every night before I go to sleep, Lord, I repent of, and then name the ones I know and I say, I repent also of the ones that I don't know that you will and in hopes that you'll show me
0: what they are. Absolutely, you can do that. but the thing about it is what you really need to do is you need to ask the Lord yes. first thing when you wake up every morning to help you, That you don't sin at all today. Lord, that's what you want. Isn't that right? Lord, you fill me with your Holy Spirit. You convict me as I go today. And if I start to sin, you catch me. You quicken me. I don't want to sin. Turn that on there. It's not turned on yet. But you don't want to sin. It's got a top button up there. Just flip it over to the right.
1: What? I, and when you when you walk with the Lord, and every morning, I don't I don't know if I ask Him to help me not sin, but I said, Lord, help me be filled with the Holy Spirit, rule over my mind and my thoughts, my will and my decisions, my motions, my feelings, so that I'll walk in the Spirit all day.
0: Amen. And He
1: always tells me, "You shouldn't have said that. You go back and repent." And when I planned to sin, He wouldn't let me. He just said, "Nope." Oh. oh,
0: you'll have to get the tape. <laughs> yeah,
1: get the tape. But he, when you walk in the spirit, he won't let you sin, and he, and he he'll stop me and say, "You can't think that. Repent of that attitude. Repent of that thought. Don't judge her. She's that's not your problem."
0: Yeah. When, when okay, you, you, sorry, Lord. That's right. When you're walking in the spirit, and the Lord's directing you, you really have to over. Ride Him to sin. Because if you start to sin, He will convict you that what you're doing is wrong. Yeah, Yeah, just like Pamela said, I I, I bet you everybody in here at one time or another has started to sin and the Holy Spirit caught you. Hasn't He? No, don't go there. Don't go there. That's sin. And if you'll listen and yield to Him and not to the flesh, you'll say, Okay, Lord, I'll stop right there. i back up. I won't go there. Just like when Pamela said she was going to, I, I, may, I may expound on this a little bit. She was going to read some girl the riot act. Do we love to do that to people? Oh, you hurt my sister and I'm going to get you. We love to do that to people because that's the flesh, isn't it? Right. But the Lord says, no, keep your mouth shut. Just love them. And that's what we've got to do. If the Holy Spirit tells you to do something, I think of this one pastor I know, I knew of. He was sitting there one day, and it was a pastor friend of his that weighed about 350 pounds. And this Lord spoke to this pastor and said, go over and tell Jack. I'll just use Jack as a fictitious name. He said, you go over and tell Jack to start controlling his weight, or in five years he's going to be dead. He said, Lord, I could never do it. He'd think I was judging him. The Lord said, I'm telling you to go tell him. And that pastor refused. He would not do it because he was afraid of what Jack thought he might be saying. And poor Jack died because that man would not do what God told him to do. Now, I'm telling you, if God tells you to do something, you do it. You know, if you hear him tell you to do something, you do what the king says. Because he has a reason for talking to you. Now, somebody said, well, why didn't you just talk to him? I don't know. But I had him do that to me several times and tell me to talk to someone else. I mean, speak to me. And there's a couple of times I'd want to say, Lord, why don't you tell him? But he didn't. He told me to tell him. And so when he tells you to tell me, what do you got to do, Frank? You got to do what the Lord says. That's right. If you don't, then the terror of the Lord is going to be upon you. You better be afraid of God. I am going to have to stop and get a drink of water. Mm. Mm -hmm.
1: I've uh, I've had many, many clients that thought that everything they did, God was ready to... Hit him over the head with a pan, a frying pan and just kill him for every little sin they committed. I said, no, God is full of grace. I said, He, He is so, so gracious and loving. He's not like many pastors and churches that, that, I mean, some, pastors some don't preach the word at all and water down the gospel and others say if you don't have a list of do's and don'ts that aren't even according to the scriptures mm-hmm. that don't that don't even line up with the word of god but i said it's a holy awesome reverent fear of the lord but not being afraid that he's always going to hurt you because i'm not i'm not afraid of god But I fear, I have an awesome, holy reverence uh, of the Lord that if he tells me to do something, I know I better do it. And I want to make sure I hear the voice of the Lord and not not only, I know the sins of uh, commission. I know that's pretty easy. But it's, I mean, you know, it's in the word of God. But I want to also do what he asked me to do and not transgress. So that's what causes me to have a fear of the Lord is to just to listen that awesome holy reverent fear but he's not always waiting to bang us over the head oh, if we Oh
0: no, no, absolutely you know. not. No. Absolutely not. If God is waiting to bang us over the head with every little mistake we made we'd all be dead already. He's a gracious, mighty, awesome God and I think I think of his grace and his mercy and how he dealt with me leading me to where he's brought me And when he's talked to me about people that were on their deathbeds, and here I'm a Baptist deacon in fear, thinking, Oh, God, you spoke to me and told me to do something, and I'm supposed to tell this man to do this, and I think he's going to get healed of terminal cancer. But I did what the Lord said, and in every case, he did what he said. And, of course, as he did these things, I went back to the Word, it's already written in the book. It's already written right there. Why did I not believe it? Well, I don't know. There's a whole lot more difficult for me to believe it written in the Word than it was when He spoke to me audibly. But I love to hear that audible voice. I love to hear God's audible voice. Did you have another word? Okay, praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for the beautiful time we have studying your Word. And Lord, we thank you that you're a merciful, gracious God. And Lord, we ask you to help us to help us to judge ourselves and to judge each other So that we'll walk holy. And when someone walks up to us and says, I really need to judge you on something you're doing wrong, help us to not be offended. Help us to say, okay, what is it I'm doing that I need to change? Or at least that you think I need to change. And then as they tell you, you listen to what they're saying. And then if the Holy Spirit convicts you what you're doing is wrong, then change. Father, thank you for the privilege to work together as brothers and sisters. And when we see somebody doing something... We go to them and we should be able to listen and receive whatever it is they tell us or ask us to do in the name of the Lord. Now, Father, bless us as we go forth from here tonight. And Lord, we're so grateful for the privilege to have your mighty word because through the word we learn who you are and what you like and what you don't like. And Lord, we're thankful for the word. Now, bless us as we go from here the rest of this week. Use each one of us mightily to bring glory and honor. To your kingdom. In Jesus name. Amen.